If you have a copy, it's God's Word, turn to Peter, First Peter chapter 5. We'll begin reading at verse 7. Peter says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And you don't want to forget that verse. He said, Well, nobody cares for my soul. Yes, there's someone that does, the Lord Jesus. Be sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now you've got to put this down. You have an adversary. Every day that you live in this world, you have an adversary that's against you. It's against God. It's against the things of God. And he's seeking whom he may devour. That's why we need to be casting a care always upon the Lord. He goes on to say, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You know, Paul speaks of the common, uh, Jews says the common salvation, and, uh, and Paul speaks of the common trials that come upon us all. If you're going through a trial, remember, one of your brothers or sisters may be going through the same trial. But the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, at that you have suffered a while, make you perfect or mature, established, strengthened, settle you. That's the end of affliction, is to mature us. You know, I don't like to suffer. Most, of, most men are big babies when it comes to suffering. We get a little pain and we cry and moan and groan. But sufferings and trials that we go through is to mature us. Remember that there's a purpose in what God permits to come into our lives is to mature you and to establish you and strengthen you. You say, how can I be strengthened through suffering? By the faith God creates in your heart through the Holy Spirit. To Him be glory, dominion, forever and ever. Amen. This morning I want to speak about the adversary. I'm going to deviate from First John this morning and bring this on our adversary, the devil. Things we have to think about, the devices of Satan, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the uh, pride of life, and the devil, love of the world. Against the body, he brings temptation to the flesh. And we all will be tempted in these areas, some one way, some another. Against the soul, he brings temptations of the world. He's always trying to drag us, drag, drag us into the world, back into the world. See, if you love the world, your love for God will be cold. And Satan knows that. And that's how he gets us back into the world. And against the Spirit, he comes to us to win our allegiance. You know, you would think a Christian would never give allegiance to the devil. But remember that every act of disobedience 
to God is an allegiance to the devil. We don't like, we don't think about it in that sense. But if I say no to God, who am I saying yes to? I'm saying yes to sin, and He's the author of sin. He brought it into the world. So we're saying allegiance to G- to the devil. We have to be careful and realize that. Temptation, He's always trying to get our allegiance. He wants us to fall down and worship Him. And Jesus told in Mark chapter 7, 20 through 23, that defilement comes from within the heart. Out of the heart proceeds these things. So this is a heart problem. The Bible says to, to set your affections on things above, not on things below. Because Satan, he'll tempt you to put your affections on things below to win your heart, to win your allegiance. We know the verse that Paul gave us in 1 Corinthians 2.14, but the natural man, that's a man without the spirit, sensual man, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Sometimes you witness to people and they laugh at you and make fun of you because the things of God are foolishness unto them. They have not the spirit. Don't think that's strange. Don't look at them like uh, they're, they're different. They're different because they're natural. They're not born again. They don't understand what you're talking about. They have not the Spirit of God to open up their hearts and minds. Neither can He know them because they are spiritually discerned. God's Word is the Word of God. And it's inspired by the Spirit. It takes the same Spirit to understand it, Brother Day. It takes the Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds that we can understand the things of God. You know, Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? Jesus said, my word is truth. God's word is truth. So where's truth? The word of God. And that's why Satan wants to keep us out of the word of God or he misquotes the word of God, as we'll see. James 3.15 says, The wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. When there's a wrong spirit about you, it's not coming from the Lord. It's coming from beneath. It's sensual. It's devilish. Jude one nine says, These be they that who separate themselves sensual, having not the Spirit. It's talking about an unregenerate individual. Now they may have a head knowledge and believe there's a God. They may believe, say they believe the Bible, all these things, but they're not born again. You must be born again, the Lord said. Unless you're born again, you cannot comprehend spiritual things. The Apostle Paul wrote more epistles than any other writer in the New Testament. And he had a lot to say about our adversary. We'll start with 1 Thessalonians 2.18. He says this, Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. You mean to tell me Satan can hinder a Christian? Yes, he can. Now, he has to get permission like he did Job. God gave him permission, and then he would went and attacked Job different ways. His body, his friends attacked him, so many different ways. But sometimes if we, we are, I can see Satan hindering us.
And he's always working. We need to pray for individuals that we know. Prayer is very important as part of the armor of God. The word Satan means the accuser. Revelation 12.10 says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accuseth them before our God day and night. Satan is always accusing us before God. And Jesus said, I behold, Satan is lightning falling to the earth. So remember, Satan means he's the accuser. Now, we don't want to practice what he does. We don't, go, we don't want to go around accusing people. That's Satan does enough of that. Devil means adversary. As we read, 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. He's your adversary. Every day you live, he's your adversary. And he's seeking every day to devour you, one way or the other. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, or the pride of life. One of those ways he's trying to devour you, you and I. He's, he's our adversary. And this is probably one of the greatest descriptions of Satan. He's the deceiver. There's so much deception in the world. Revelation 20 verse 10 says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beasts and the false prophets are and shall be tormented day and night forever and forever. There's many deceivers gone out into the world. You say, does it matter what church you go to? Yes, it does matter. Because many are teaching a false gospel. They're teaching a false Christ. And they're not teaching the way of the Lord. They're not teaching the truth as it is in Jesus. They preach a small God who's waiting on man to do something. He's deceived the whole world. You look at the world today, how it's deceived and how wicked things are getting. You can see Satan's hand and everywhere you go, throughout globally, the whole world. You know, John says in First John, the whole world lieth in the wicked one. This whole government system of this whole world is, is of Satan. The sinfulness of it. The decisions they're making. Here's another one where he's called the tempter. You say, where do temptations come from? They come from the devil, from Satan. He's called the tempter. Matthew 4, 3, it says, When the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And remember, Satan is always trying to tempt you and I to disobey God. That's what he wants us to do. Disobey God. Doesn't matter how you do it. Because he knows once we disobey God, we lose that fellowship with God, we lose our strength with God, and we're open up to the devil. We all have to be on our guard. That's why Peter gave the warning. To be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, he's always, he's your adversary daily coming to devour you. And sometimes we get so busy in life, you know, life keeps us busy. 
There's things we have to do. We have to provide family for our families. We have to, if we have a home, we have to clean the home. If you have clothes, you have to wash them. If you eat, you have to cook. Most of the time, the ladies do that. But I'm learning what that means now since I'm by myself. I'm not so, I'm not so proud of all this work. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I clean once a week. Sometimes I might clean every other week. But Satan is busy. The tempter is busy to tempt us. You know what they say, an idle mind is the devil's workshop. Make sure you keep this mind full of the Word of God and the things of God. All these pamphlets I put in the back, feel free to take as many as you want. The one, the one I gave out today is a very touching story of a young girl, 20 years of age, who, who, who died because she lived such an ungodly life. But it shows how the grace of God reached her. It's a tremendous story. I challenge you to read it if you get opportunity this week. It's a blessing, really a blessing. It touched my heart. He's called the dragon, Revelation 12, 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and the angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. There's a spiritual war going on that we cannot see, but it's going on. And it speaks about the angels encamping about the believers. We don't know how many times angels may have protected us from things we're not even aware of. Be thankful for God's keeping power and protecting power. He protects us and watches over us. Satan is called the prince of this world, system of evil. Now, the world is of earth is not evil in a sense. It's the system of this world that's evil. For John 12, 31 says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out, talking about Satan. He is the world system under his power. 1 John five nineteen, And we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Look at the decisions even our government's making. How wicked and ungodly, filthy, reprobates. I mean, our nation has turned so wicked with the rulers that we have over us that they have become strictly uh, reprobates in their mind. God has given them over to a reprobate mind. And we should be very concerned about that. Pray that God would raise up some... Uh, some God-fearing men to be in our government. You wonder why the world is like it is? Because they're in the hands of the wicked one. He's busy working everywhere. China, Russia, North Korea, Iran, USA, everywhere he's busy. Because he knows his time is short. Satan is called the prince and power of the air. Ephesians 2.2. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. All of us at one time walked according to the prince and power of the air. You're born a sinner. That's why Jesus says you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. You can't even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince 
of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Everyone who is unregenerated, Satan is working in their lives. Whether they be your friend or your foe, they're under the power of Satan. Be careful who you have friends with. Some friends are of the devil. And some friends are of God. And Satan loves to get his his people to be our friends to drag us down. That's his whole design in bringing certain people into our lives is to break us down, to bring us from God, to, to bring us to, to the point where we just give up. He's always trying to bring God's people down. He's called the God of this world or age, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, and whom the God of this world of this age, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. A lot of people don't believe because Satan has blinded their minds. They don't believe the truth of the Word of God. They've given themselves over to sin, which is giving themselves over to Satan. But the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, at least the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. There's only one individual who can change a person who's blinded. It says in Corinthians, that God who commanded light to shine in darkness shines into our heart. The light, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Beloved people, salvation depends on God, not on their free will. God has to shine that glorious gospel into their heart, change them, translate them from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. That's that spiritual Spiritual warfare. God reaches down and brings his children out of that kingdom. God does it, not man. We're as helpless as a babe. Can do nothing. He is called an angel of light because he's deceitful. There's a lot of preachers preaching the gospel this morning who are angels of light of Satan. Notice what the verse says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. In other words, he's appearing to be a gospel minister. But everything he says is deceitful. It's not according to thus saith the Lord. He twists the scriptures. He'll quote God's word, but he'll change the meaning of it. Therefore, it says, it's no great thing if his ministers, he has ministers. You say, I didn't know that. Yes. You think all these ministers in the pulpit this morning are of God? I would say most majority of them are of the devil. Not all. But those who are not preaching the truth that it is in Jesus. A lot of them who's preaching false doctrine, denying that Jesus is God, denying the Trinity, denying salvation by grace, they are the ministers of Satan. Trans- and also be transformed in, as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. There's a lot of ministers preaching today calling to be ministers of righteousness, telling people, oh, it doesn't matter how you live. You live any way you want. We can live ungodly, live wicked. It doesn't matter. Remember what the Lord said. 
In the last day, many shall say, Lord, I did this in your name. I did that in your name. He's going to confess unto them, I never knew you, you that work iniquity. Even us ourselves, if we're living in sin and living in iniquity, we may be deceived. That's why it's so important that we stay in God's Word, stay in fellowship with God, that we don't be deceived. Remember, Satan is the deceiver. Beloved, these are serious things. These are things we need to take to heart. And as God's people, we need to guard ourselves, realizing that we do have an adversary. And again, I put here, in uh, Peter, in 1 Peter 5, this is why Peter says, Be sober. Be alert spiritually. Stay in tune with God. Stay in fellowship with God. Be vigilant. Don't just lay down and go to sleep on this. This is serious. Be vigilant. Your life, your spiritual life depends on it. Because your adversary, the devil, he's your adversary. He's my adversary. He's your adversary. Take it serious, beloved. What is Satan trying to do to you? He's trying to destroy us. And I think we all can confess at times in our lives, you know, Satan can get the, get the hold on, uh, get the upper hand sometimes in our lives. One time in my life, he got the upper hand. Only by the grace of God, I'm still here. Only by the grace of God, I'm still walking with the Lord and in fellowship with the Lord. If he had reached down and got me and took me out of Satan's hand, I would, I would, I would be defeated. This is not something that's just common for a few. We're all common to this. Satan wants to get the upper hand in your life so he can control your life. He don't want us to be spreading the word, preaching the gospel, living the gospel. The greatest testimony that you and I can have is not so much what we say, but how we live. What David used to say, Brother Dave, the Japanese say, American people, too much talky-talky, not enough (laughs) walky-walky. And that's true. A lot of Christians can talk the talk, but do they walk the walk? And that's how we're going to be judged, beloved. And there's a warning given in Paul in Ephesians 4.27, and we all have to take this to heart. Neither give place to the devil. Now, I want to give you a few examples. When you don't read the Word of God and meditate on the Word of God daily, you're giving place to the devil. When we don't pray daily and, and, and go to the throne of grace and go to that, at that throne of grace that's mercy and find grace to help in time of need, we're giving place to the devil. We're opening ourselves up for his attacking us. When we go around people that we know is going to tempt us, we're all giving place to the devil. When we look at things, whether it be on TV, whether on other things that are seductive, we're giving place to the devil. And today's television, we have to be careful. There's so much filth today. Things that you listen to. What comes through the eyes, what comes through the ear, some of those things are tempting us to draw us away from the Lord. And not only, not only every one of us have to guard against that. None of us are exempt from that. Neither give place to the devil. Are we giving place to the devil in some area in our life? You have to ask that question to yourself. And if you are, go to the throne of grace and ask the Lord to help you not to give place to the devil. 
Check that. You know, the Lord said, if you be my disciple, we have to deny ourselves and follow him. Are you willing to deny things in your life that you know is hindering your spiritual growth? Until you come to that conclusion and say yes to the Lord, you're not going to grow forward. You're going to be stagnated. And Satan will take advantage of that. Remember, every act of disobedience gives Satan the advantage. Ephesians 4.27 Don't give place to the devil. Here's an encouraging verse to encourage you in your warfare and in your Christian walk. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable. You know, one of the things about the armor of God is to be stand against the wiles of the devil. We're to stand. We're to take our stand. Have you taken a stand against the devil? And how do you do that? But taking a stand against sin. That's how we resist the devil. Unmovable. We should be like a rock, unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. You know what the blessing is about that? Always abounding in the work of the Lord. It says, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's not vain. I was going to preach that message this morning. Then I decided to preach this one. Your labor is not vain in the Lord. Neither is it vain to serve the true and living God. His dividends pay a lot more than the devil's. I'd rather be, I'd rather have the blessings of God and have all the, the dividends that the devil gives you because everything he gives you is deceit. It's a, it's a sham. It's not real. But oh, how his charm, he's charmed many in the world. And even Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. That word device means strategies, his methods. He has methods. He is continually working to deceive you and to trap you and I and bring us down. That's his goal. He's not your friend. He's your enemy. He hates us. He hated the Lord Jesus. And he hates you and I. He hates God and he wants to ape God. He likes to imitate God. That's why he appears as a minister. He's imitating God's ministers. What better way for Satan to deceive God's people than to get into the pulpit, get into the churches, and pretend to be a minister of righteousness when he is actually a minister of unrighteousness. When you preachers tell people they can live any way they want, it doesn't matter. They can live in sin, live ungodly. You can put it down that that minister is of Satan because it's contrary to the Word of God. Paul said that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And I believe that's someone who is habitually living their whole life unrighteous. They shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But going on in this subject, his crafty methods, he's very crafty when he tempts us. Very crafty.
crafty. He can bring an individual into our lives that we think is, oh, what a wonderful friend. And the whole purpose, that person is, you know, the wheat and the tares. He brings tares into our life to destroy us. Now, we think they're our best friends, but they're our worst enemy in reality because they're bringing us down from God back down to worldly things and to the world, love of the world, lust of the eye, pride of life. Beloved, we have to be on our guard constantly as a Christian. And we that are older understand these things. Some friends can harm you, and some friends can be a blessing to you. But remember, Satan knows how to bring friends into your life to drag you down, to discourage you. Young people today, especially young Christian men, young Christian women, what is one of the things they have to guard against? It's who they associate with. You associate with the wrong people, ungodly people, People following Satan, and before you know it, you'll be going down the same path. These are serious things, beloved, this Christian life. It's not a place for sissies. It's not a place for babies. It's a place for those who are mature in the Lord. It's a place for those who are willing to follow the Lord and, and forsake themselves and to follow Christ, take up their cross daily and follow Christ. The Christian life is a place where those who are not dedicated to the Lord soon find out that they can't run the race because they're not running it by the Holy Spirit. One of the one things we have to deal with is the flesh. Not the soft substance of the body we're talking about. We're talking about the fallen nature. Sinful nature. The whole man, body and soul. Now, if you're born again, you still have a sinful nature you have to contend with. Satan uses that sinful nature against us. David knows that very well, don't you, Brother Dick? I know it very well. And you do too if you've lived very long in Christian life. Remember, Jesus said, out of the heart proceeds these evil things. So it's a hard problem. And even though we're born again, we still carry around the sinful nature and we have to realize that and deal with it. So if you're having a conflict and you wonder why, you still have a sinful nature within you. You ever have thoughts? You say, where did thoughts come from? It's coming from your sinful nature. Sometimes you've got to recognize the source. Out of the heart proceeds adulterers, evil thoughts, lust, all of these things. And you got to remember that the evil nature has not been eradicated or removed. It's still within you as a Christian. But God has broken the power of it, as we're going to see. We, we will now consider the implications of the question. The first thing we must settle is regarding the word sin. Does it refer here to the uh, abstract, namely sin, or to acts of sin committed by the believer, or to the totally depraved nature still in him. You know, the Bible says in uh, Romans 5.21, the reference is sin reigning as a king in Romans 5.21. The, their sin is personified 
since it reigns as a king. Uh, sin is not to reign over us anymore as a king. But when we are disobedient and we don't follow Christ and we don't obey God and walk in fellowship, sin takes the upper hand. And Satan uses that to work against us. It's a warfare, beloved. It says in Romans 5.21, that as sin, that should that could be called the sinful nature, has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness into eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin or the sinful nature that grace may abound? Shall I continue living according to the dictates of my sinful nature? No. God forbid, Paul says. You die with Christ and you resurrected with Christ. Seek those things which are above. Don't live on carnal things. Verse 2, he says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin, the sinful nature, live any longer therein? I don't mean the sinful nature has been removed, but it means the reigning power has been broken. It no longer controls you 100% like it did when you were lost, undone, unregenerated. Once a person is born again, it loses the power of complete dominance over you. But we, uh, if we sin against God, then we're given allegiance back to it and, it, it, and then it operates in our life more strongly. That's why it's so important to walk in the light as He is in the light. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, is continually cleansing us from all sin. Verse 6 says, Knowing this, that the old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin, the sinful nature might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not, we should not serve sin or serve the sinful nature. The old sinful man died with Christ on the cross. Since that happened, we're not to serve the sinful nature. We have a new servant. We have a new king. The Lord Jesus is to reign in our hearts now. He's to be set up as the Lord, not the evil nature. Paul said in Colossians, we serve the Lord Christ. Verse 10 says, For in that he died, he died unto sin, the sinful nature once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. We do live unto God now, beloved. Verse 11, he says, Likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin for nature, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, it's that life that we have, that resurrected life, from Christ, our head. He works in us both the will and the do of His good pleasure. He energizes us. Because I live, you shall live also. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. It's, how, it's our union with Jesus that gives us victory over the fallen nature, over the sinful nature. And you're going to have to deal with it, and I'm going to have to deal with it every day that we live on this earth. It doesn't stop until we die. I thought as you get older, maybe it'd get easier. I think it gets more difficult. <laughs> Beloved, the, the warfare never stops until we get to the other side. You can write that down in your book. You're going to be fighting until you go home. It's a warfare. Jesus said, be witnesses unto me. How can we be witnesses unto Christ by living for Christ? As I said before. It's more what we, how, what we do than what we say. It makes such an influence on people's lives.
Let's witness for Christ more with our life than we do with our talking. Let people see Christ in us. What a blessing it is to serve Christ. They that are in Christ, in Him, we are redeemed in Him. We're chosen in Him, Ephesians 1, 4. Redeemed in Him, Ephesians 1, 7. Christ's righteousness has been imputed to us. His Spirit has been poured out into our hearts. The love of God has shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. When He arose from the grave, we arose with Him, Ephesians 2. When He died, we died. When He was resurrected, we were resurrected. This brings us down to another thought. I want you to take this to heart. This is very important. There's a vast difference between committing a sin and constantly living and delighting in sin. There's a difference in that too. I think we all sin daily in some way, word, deed, or thought. But when you're in a particular sin and you're living that sin daily, every day after day after day, and you're delighting in that sin, that's a difference. That sin has dominated your life. Now it's king of your life. And when you get in that situation, or I get in that situation, we need a lot of prayer that God would deliver us. Because only God can deliver us. There's some things we get into we can't deliver ourselves. Only God can deliver us. But the power and grace of the Holy Spirit, a person can indeed reach the point where he no longer desires to be a slave of sin. The more you love the Lord and the more you dedicate yourself to Him, you don't want to be a slave to sin anymore. I want to be a slave to Jesus Christ. I want to love Him, follow Him. I want to say He's precious. Precious to me. I want to love the Lord in simplicity and truth. There's a curse upon those when Jesus comes who love not the Lord Jesus Christ. A curse. Paul mentions that in in his Corinthian letter. Remember, there's a difference between committing a sin, an act of sin, and the constant living and delighting in sin. If a person lives their whole life living in sin, it's, it's very obvious that something's wrong. Now, a believer can fall into sin, yes. I have fallen in sin in my life. I can testify to that. But I've been chasing the Lord. And God brought me down that He might lift me back up. Humble yourselves in the mighty hand of God that He may lift you up in due season. The only way to overcome falling when you fall like that is to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and pray and beg Him to lift you back up. You can't do it yourself. I couldn't do it. It's like that spider web. The more you, the more the fly Wiggles and jumps and scrubs in the spider's web, the more it gets entangled. There's no getting out of it. But thank God, in closing, Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Jesus is touched with your feelings. Beloved, don't say nobody cares for you. Jesus is touched with 
our infirmities, our feelings, our emotions, our hurts, our struggles, the fighting against sin. If you'd have looked at, if you'd have looked at, uh, Lot, you'd have said Lot was an unrighteous man living in a place he shouldn't have been. He shouldn't have been there, but he was there. But it said the sins of those people vex his righteous soul day by day. Even though he was living in an ungodly world, the things of the world was still bothering his conscience. It was bothering him. It bothered him the sinful lives they were living. And you know the end of that story. God destroyed Solomon and Gomorrah with hail from heaven and destroyed and burned up the whole town, everyone in it. And it's coming a day when God's going to judge this world. It's not going to be destroyed with water again. It's going to be destroyed with fire. So the, the very elements, everything that we know is made of atoms. The very atoms are going to melt with fervent heat. God's going to destroy everything. There'll be new heavens and new earth. Wherein dwelleth righteousness. There won't be no unrighteousness in the new earth. Says, for we have a high, not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity, but was in all point tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He understands our temptations. Sometimes we, oh, he's God, yet, but he's man. He's the God man. He can sympathize with you and I about our temptations. Go to him and say, Lord, do you understand what I'm going through? Have you felt this struggle that I'm with? He say, yes, son, yes, daughter. I understand. But my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. That's why we have to keep our eyes on the Lord. Looking unto Jesus, Paul says, the author and finisher of our faith. For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separated from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Peter says, of the Lord who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Isaiah says, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he has done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. And John says in 1 John 3, 5, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and him is no sin. He was manifested for what reason? To take away our sins. Then why should we live in them? He died to take them away. Let that sink in your mind. He died to take away our sins. We should not live in them any longer. We've been raised in newness of life. Walk as children of light. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust. We all have to deal with fleshly lust. This isn't just for a few, it's for every one of God's people. We all are tempted in these areas which war against the soul, especially the young. Abstain. Abstain from that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. If you have put off the old man, put on the new man, Ephesians 4, 22-23. Live according to Colossians 3, 9 and 10. Mortify your members, your unholy habits, and seek those things which are above. That's where our mind should be. Satan works through the mind. Remember that. He comes to great capture our minds. Make a covenant with your eyes and feet and hands to turn from iniquity. 
Look the other way. Walk the other way. Put away uncontrolled anger, gossip, bitterness. I see the things that's destroying a lot of people today is bitterness and hatred. I hate that individual. I hear people say that. I despise that individual. That's saint showing, revealing the heart of their heart. If they're speaking truthfully, their heart needs to be changed. A child of God may hate for a few moments or for a while, but you cannot continually hate someone because it's a sign of not being born again. What is John teaching all through 1 John? We've been going through 1 John. Love is the evidence of the new birth, not hatred. Hatred is evidence of the devil. It's an evidence of the old nature. You cannot love and hate at the same time. Put sin to death by the blood of Christ. Set faith at work on Christ for the killing of sin. Oh, go to the Lord to kill the sin in your life. Beloved, there's many more things I could say, but we have an enemy. And I hope this morning, by the grace of God, I stir up your minds that you can understand what we're up against. Satan is a real enemy of your soul and my soul. And things that come into your mind, Satan can influence your mind and thoughts. You say, where did that come from? Well, if it's it's not from God, it's either from the fallen nature or it's from Satan and demons. And if we breathe the Word of God, you can pretty well tell where they come from. So be on your guard. At the same time, it's, it's good news to say that the Lord Jesus said to Paul, Paul, my grace is sufficient unto thee. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So, beloved, when you're weak in Christ, you can be strong. Look to the Lord and say, Lord, I need your strength at this moment in my life. I feel like I'm going downhill. Pray the Lord will strengthen you. And he'll say, daughter, son, my grace is sufficient right now in your life. Believest thou this? To him that believeth, all things are possible. May we pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for these authors, these writers that we inspired to write and to warn us of our adversary. But we're grateful that we have a comfort of the Holy Spirit who is greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Our advocate is much stronger than Satan. But when we, when we live in disobedience and reject the commands of the Lord and don't walk according to the light of God's word and we're selfish and we want to do our own way, Lord, then we have to face the enemy on our own and we're no match for the devil. I pray for anyone here this morning that may need grace and strength in certain areas of their life. May you help us all, Lord, to live victorious through Jesus Christ. Bless us now with our grace as we go on in separate ways. In the name of Jesus Christ, we give thanks. Amen. Amen. Someone have a song to offer to the Lord.